0: Welcome to the Calvary St. George's Sermon Podcast, proclaiming the historic faith of Christ and Him crucified. These podcasts are recorded and produced by the parish of Calvary St. George's in the city of New York. For more information, head to CalvarySt.George's.org. This Sunday, three years ago, was when I preached my first sermon here at Calvary St. George's Church, and I guess it was good enough to get me hired, so I thought I'd just give you the same exact sermon three years later. No, if you're worried about that, you can check on the website. It is different, I swear. With that said, this text from Romans, I'm going to preach from the same exact text, because this text is too good not to preach on, and unfortunately, many Christians have no idea that it's even in the Bible. And the reason why I love this text so much is that it describes the universal human condition probably in words that have not been better put since then, or maybe ever. So if you would, turn to the Romans reading. Turn to page four and take a look at that. And don't worry, I'm not going to be a Presbyterian and go line by line or anything like that. But just have it in front of you, because we usually preach in the gospel. So this one might not be as fresh in your minds. So what do I love about this text? Well, Before I tell you what I love about it, I will, I'll come and give you the full disclosure The biblical scholars, the smarty pants, who I have to read before giving a sermon every time, have so many debates on who the I is in this text. Is Paul talking about himself? Is Paul talking about Israel? Is Paul talking about Adam, or all of us born of Adam? Is Paul talking about his pre-Christian experience, or is Paul talking about his current Christian experience? There's so much debate on this that it's easy to get pretty lost in it. But no matter what, which I Paul is referring to, whether it's himself or whether it's metaphorical or whatever, whatever it may be, this text, I think, describes the internal war in all of us better than any text in all of Scripture. I'll go on record saying that. Why do I think that? For I do not do what I want, but I do the very thing I hate. Now, you might be tempted to think Paul here is turning Plato on his head. I don't want to talk bad about Plato. The Christian church has been very influenced by Plato. I love Plato in many ways, but one of the things that Paul here may be upending is that notion that if we know the good, we'll do the good. As long as we know it, We'll do it. And a lot of our education in America is, operates on this principle. If we educate, then people will therefore do the good. And I think we know from experience that many of us know what is good, and we don't do it. And not just that we know the good, but we know that we, what we ought not to do. But we do it. Paul here, though, is taking it one step further. Paul is not just talking about what we know to be good, but Paul says, I will the good. I desire the good. I want the good. Those are all things you could substitute for the Greek. But I do the very thing that I hate. Strong language. At first, uh, years ago, when this text was new to me, I was surprised that this text was in Scripture. I really probably just had this view of Scripture, kind of the way Eddie Izzard talks about it in his kind of... I won't even try to do Eddie Izzard's voice because you know, I'll just embarrass myself. But he talks about how in the Scriptures, it's, it's, it talks about always do good things and never do bad things. Always say you love your mother when you leave in the morning and never disrespect her. I really kind of thought of the Scriptures as merely that, as kind of guidelines for life. But here, in Romans, we read something kind of exactly the opposite of that, or very different from that at the very least. Paul, in this kind of honest moment, says, for I do not do what I want, what I will, what I desire. In fact, I do the exact opposite. And after at first being surprised by this text, this text suddenly became one of my favorites. It's just felt like one of the most honest things I would read anywhere. And I'm not just talking about in scripture. I'm talking about in society at large. Nike says, just do it. And I love that. I mean, I was a baseball player while my knees lasted. I was a catcher. And I needed that. I needed to be told, just just go out there and get the job done. Stop complaining. Pull yourself up by your own bootstraps. Do it. I don't know about you, but for all those things in my life that I find myself just unable to quit. <laughs> just do it, it doesn't work. I find myself in myself that I resonate with this. For the good that I want to do, I don't do. And in fact, the evil, the bad, that I don't want to do, I find myself so often doing. Now, I think this text makes a lot of sense to us when we think of it in terms of addiction. Maybe you or... Someone you love or someone you know is in AA or in Narcotics Anonymous or Sex Anonymous. These are our groups where we can look to and be like, okay, these are those people. Those people have a problem and they can't help it. Right? That kind of describes what Paul is saying here. Maybe you, maybe you have a friend who just, for a long time, you're just like, hey man, just like, you need to stop like raging. You need to like chill out. And they're like, oh, yes, of course, I'm going to chill out. Like, They want to, but they can't. They are addicted. They are drawn to this. Now, lest we start thinking of this in terms of those people, and I know that many of us are in and have benefited greatly from those programs, but I kind of wish there was an AA group for all kinds of things, like maybe... Envious, Anonymous. I feel like a whole lot of us <laughs> would be in that one. I mean, our whole capitalistic culture is built on making us envious of what other people have or wanting what we don't yet have. Or maybe, uh, uh, I'm not really interested in hearing what you have to say, I just really want to get a word in, Anonymous. That really not really listening or just I, all I really want is to, to put something in there. Or maybe, worst of all, gossips anonymous, and I think maybe every single one of us would be in that one. But I kind of, I wish that these groups existed. And in fact, I've at times gone to AA groups just to get, get the wisdom from them, because what Paul is saying here is that for these kind of things, we are not, we can't be self-reliant. Oh, I know that's another American dictum, right? Self-reliance. and I I don't want to smash that. Again, I said, said earlier, just do it was helpful for me, Uh, for that brief period of time when I was a jock, when I could make it as a jock. But the same kind of thing. I think that self-reliance can be a really good thing. At times, I I really need to just get out of bed. But when it comes to the things that I do, I I go back to time and time again. I can't pull myself up by my own bootstraps. I am not self-reliant. Emerson, you might be half right But sometimes when you're half right, you're actually completely off. I cannot do it. And I think that's what makes this text resonate with us so much. In fact, this text, you look at all the major theologians through history, they stumble upon this text, and their world changes. Their theology changes. Things explode. Things turn in on themselves. Now, if you read this text line by line, you could see how, you might be able to see why this text is probably put intentionally by our lectionary creators in the summer, when fewer people are here, because it's not, definitely not something we really want to hear. In fact, it can get all but, like, depressing at the end, right? Wretched man that I am. Paul kind of ends on that hopeless note. I am not self-reliant. I cannot Just pull myself up and stop doing the bad that I don't want to do. And that's, again, like Paul speaks in hyperbole here. Paul is not saying we are all evil or anything like that. He's using this hyperbole to show us that sin has infected every part of us. And there are definitely some things that we just can't quit. But before we submit to that despair, Paul ends it with when he says, who will deliver me from this body of death? He ends with, thanks be to God, to our Lord Jesus Christ. The implied ending is this great note of hope. For when Paul talks about sin, Paul doesn't talk about sin the way you and I do, which is, I think, one of the most fascinating things about his writing. Paul has almost little to say about individual sins. The things that you and I worry about. Don't do this, do this. Paul talks about sin as a power as a force. In fact, in all of his writings, it might be a good thing to just cross out the lowercase s and make it capitalized. Because that's the way Paul talks about sin. Paul talks about sin as something that kind of gets into us that we allow in and that takes residence and then captures us. Captivates us. It helps to make sense of these times when we just cannot free ourselves and we cannot pull ourselves up by our own bootstraps. This sin that so easily gets in. Sometimes the, a, a, an imperfect analogy would be the way a lot of alcoholics have talked about how obviously before they had their first drink they weren't an alcoholic and, and for some of them they could drink in moderation for a little while but then they let it in and then it took over. They're was no way to defeat this. It had taken root. It had captured them. But what Paul is saying here in this text is that by nature of the cross and the resurrection, Christ has defeated this power of sin and death. And by virtue of the fact that we have been baptized in his name, Christ has transferred us from this realm, this domain of capital S, sin, capital D, death. Into this new realm, this other realm of the spirit and life. And this is an objective event happening that has occurred to you and to me. Jake last week used the metaphor, the analogy of, uh, of Le from May, Les Mis. What's the guy's name again? John Paul, uh, uh, or not John Paul. Who's the guy in Le Mis? Blanking. John Paul, John. Jean. Thank you. In the play, they don't have this episode, but right after he steals the silver from the archbishop, right? The next scene Jake talked about last week is that, you know, he's been released. The archbishop even says, You are no longer your own, right? And that next scene, he goes, he walks away, and he stomps on this piece of silver that somebody had dropped. He steals but the narrator goes and says that he had committed a deed which he could not do. A deed that did not define him. Do you see the brilliance of that paradox there? You and I have been transferred from the realm of sin and death into the realm of the spirit and life. This is an objective reality for you and me. And we find ourselves doing things that we cannot do. That paradox sits. We are, we've been transferred from this realm of sin and death, and yet our legs and maybe the back of our arm is still in there. We're simultaneously sinners, but saints. But the reality that is more true for you and for me, even though we find ourselves doing what we cannot do so often, the defining reality is that we are in the realm of, sin, of, of the spirit in life. Christ has captured us once and for all. He's stolen us away from sin and death. And this is obviously good news for us at the end of our lives, but it is also true of us in the here and now. And we explicitly see these moments, these inbreakings of resurrection here and there. Unfortunately, we don't see them enough at times we'll find ourselves doing something truly altruistic and maybe it's out of character for us. We have like, wow, I'm doing this? What? I'm letting somebody live with me for free? What? I'm giving to charity? What? You name it. But I don't know about you, but this text, and for me personally, I do not want to go back to that realm of sin and death. I, I hate participating in that reality. Paul, and the way Paul talks about it is it's as if every time we do what we cannot do, we're returning to our own vomit. Talk to people in AA. They talk about it that way too. The last thing I want is to sin so that grace may abound. The last thing I want to be is an antinomian. It's all just okay. Now, The way Paul talks about this realm of sin and death is that it is that which enslaves us. It is that vomit that, I won't speak for you, but I go back to time and time again. And like what Paul says here, oftentimes I don't feel free not to. And it's the most frustrating thing in the world. The message of this text, the message of this text is that you and I are not self-reliant on those things. We can't do it on our own. We can't pull ourselves up by our own bootstraps. We need external help. We need a hand that's outside of us to kind of scoop us up. And that's why groups like AA are so successful. When you can't do it yourself, you need other people. First and foremost, of course, you need the Lord. But also you need our, our neighbors. So if you would, please, one of you, I'm sure you'd make a killing on this, although I guess AA is free, but found a Gossips Anonymous. Or maybe it's a less sexy sin for you. I know some of them are for me, but I'm not going to tell you what they are. But the message of hope in this text is that you and I are not defined, but what we find ourselves crawling back to. The message of this text is that we are defined by being in this realm of the spirit and life. And if that is what defines us, let us not. I'm not going to tell you now, well, try harder or pull yourself up by your own bootstraps. I'm telling you today to go find help, external help. I know it's what I need, what I avoid. And then, not even speaking of explicit sins here, sometimes like the good that I want to do, the I, I would absolutely love to be honest and tell you guys today that your priest every morning and evening spends 15 minutes In silence with our Lord. And I try. But despite my best efforts, I just can't do it. It's 15 minutes, it's a half an hour for the whole day in a 24-hour day, and I find myself so often just completely unable to do it. I know it's good for me, and I don't just know that it's good for me. As St. Paul puts it, I will it, I want it, I desire it. Because so oftentimes it feels Feels good, but even like when I don't feel anything, I just know that it's good for me. So, even more than external sins, it's the good that I want to do, the things that I know are good for me. I so oftentimes find myself in this war. Thanks be to God that we have this text that gives words to this war inside of us. But thanks be it even more so to God that. When we sin, we have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ the righteous, and he is the perfect offering not only for our sins, but for the sins of the whole world. And that is what frees us to look, give an honest look of ourselves in the mirror. That is also what frees us to not hide our sins from our neighbor, because we're not trying to prove anything anymore. Like Jake said, like in the show The Bachelor the rose has been given to us at the beginning of the episode so we can go on that date and be totally just ourselves be free it's not like what he said on those episodes where the rose is given at the end of the episode and either the, the, I mean the, the, the women or the men depending on The Bachelor or The Bachelorette show are freaking out the whole episode until they're given that rose we have been given that rose at our baptisms no We've been given that rose 2,000 years ago on the cross, at the cross. So you and I have nothing to fear by letting our guards down, by asking for external help, by going to other people and saying, help me not return to my own vomit, by being honest with our Lord and saying, I fall short. And I know that there are even areas in my life that I'm unaware of now where I'll later find out where I do. But know before I close that our sins are not what define us. We have been transferred from the realm of sin and death into the realm of the spirit and life. That is what defines us. That is what gives us hope. And that is why we have nothing to fear. For Christ has done what we could not do. The very good that we wanted to do, that we didn't, he did for us in our place. So thanks be to God for that. In the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. Thank you for listening to our sermon podcast. Produced and recorded at the parish of Calvary St. George's in the city of New York. If you feel led to support the continuing ministry of the parish, you can make an online donation at calvarystgeorges.org giving. Thank you.